Welcome to the Pharma Forum podcast. In this week's episode, I speak with Dr. Mohit Jain, founder and CEO of Sapien, an end-to-end biomarker discovery CRO. Traditionally, biomarkers were genetically focused, concentrated on understanding DNA and the risk of disease therein. However, only a very small fraction of disease risk comes from the genome. As Jen says, we can only blame our parents for so much. The rest is on us, however, on how we choose to live our lives. Therefore, dynamic blood-borne biomarkers are the way forward. They change after therapy, alter after development of disease, and they can capture real-life influences on our state of health. And it is in this space that Sapient works and in which it excels. Human beings, at the end of the day, are much more alike than we are different, but there remain differences certainly in disease states and in subtypes of disease states. And so, personalised medicine is rapidly evolving to better understand those subtypes of disease states and, in turn, better permit understanding of the most suitable drug for an individual human being. I hope you find the conversation as insightful as I did And as ever, thank you for listening. This is web editor Nicole Raleigh, and for this episode, I have with me Dr. Mohit Jain, founder and CEO of Sapient, a biomarker discovery lab providing expert services and actionable insights to better personalize disease prediction, diagnostics, and therapies. Welcome, Mohit. Thank you so much, Nicole. Really is a pleasure to be here today. So today's topic of discussion will be on disruptive tech versus traditional methods in biopharma, how next generation technology is enabling drug discovery at an entirely new scale, accelerating the process, transforming therapies and advancing precision medicine and resulting in better patient outcomes. Now, Dr. Jane himself is a physician scientist with more than 20 years of expertise in physiology, biomedicine, engineering, computational biology, and mass spectrometry-based metabolomics. Now, it's quite the experiential background, so perhaps, Mohit, you could tell us more about your journey to what you do now with Sapient. Absolutely, Nicole. It just means I've been doing this for a while. Uh, so, so my journey, as is oftentimes the case, has been one of wandering uh, and, and and really in search of how we can maximize our impact on the world around us. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, that journey uh, started at a, at a relatively young age with a deep desire to be a physician and, and to help in the care of patients. And so I, I trained as an MD-PhD, went on to clinical training, uh, post-medical school in, in, in adult medicine, uh, internal medicine, and ultimately cardiology, and, and was a practicing cardiologist who absolutely loved every moment of the privilege of taking care of patients and in helping people. Uh, at the same time, as I mentioned during my PhD work, uh, I had really trained in molecular physiology. Uh, and this idea that uh, we can assay how organ systems work and, and by understanding the mechanisms, the engineering, if you will, of, of our body, uh, we can better understand how we can deploy medications and, and, and develop new drugs uh, to, to help individuals. And so that process continued after my clinical training and, and after my uh, sort of basic work. 
And uh, I did after clinical work, what was considered a postdoctoral fellowship, which means I spent several years after my clinical time, uh, really engaged in, in high level science and that next level of training. Uh, and, and I have the privilege of working in Boston during this time at the Broad Institute, uh, which was a, an extremely exciting and dynamic place to be. This was at the at the turn of the genomic revolution when parallel sequencing was really coming on board. Uh, and we could finally begin to assay genomes at scale across large populations. Uh, and there was this underlying thought now that by being able to acquire data at a faster rate than ever before, that we were at the dawn of a transformation where the whole process of drug development and deployment, how we use drugs in patients, and really the fundamental basis of medicine uh, was forever changed. And it was a very exciting time to, to be engaged in these types of processes uh, and learned a ton through that. I ultimately went on uh, to become an academic, was a faculty member in Boston for a short period of time, and then ultimately moved to California, uh, where I set up my research program in the University of California, San Diego for the better part of the last decade, really engaged in, in the development of these next generation bioanalytical tools, uh, which were really instruments that would allow us to interrogate human biology and physiology at a, at a very large scale across tens of thousands of samples at once uh, with a goal of really being able to understand the basis of human disease, uh, to be able to establish better diagnostic markers, as you mentioned in your introduction, and then fundamentally influence the development of, of how we go about uh, deploying drugs as part of a therapeutic strategy. Uh, ultimately, uh, we ended up spinning out uh, an organization called Sapient Bioanalytics from my academic laboratory uh, that was based on some of the technologies that we had developed, uh, including these next generation mass spectrometry systems that we'll talk about today. Uh, and that really forms the basis of Sapient today. Thank you for that, Mohit. So as you say, Sapient coming out of that research lab and those exciting times, as it stands now, Sapient is an end-to-end -end biomarker discovery CRO, and it helps sponsors and researchers accelerate drug discovery and transform therapies with biomarker-guided insights. And the transformative pipeline of small molecule biomarker discovery services integrates, as you say, next generation mass spectrometry systems, biocomputational expertise, and expansive human chemical databases to rapidly identify and translate new biomarkers of health, disease, and drug response. So let's expand on that and let's maybe add in some layman's terms for listeners who perhaps aren't au fait with all of that and just tell us more. Sure, absolutely. It's a very simple concept. Uh, when you go to your doctor's office every year uh, as part of your annual checkup, they draw two tubes of blood. Uh, these are two purple top tubes that they send for testing. And, and typically at a doctor's visit, we're measuring somewhere in the order of 10 to 20 different what we call markers in that uh, blood sample that's been acquired. This includes your cholesterol levels and markers that tell us how your kidneys are functioning and, and, and whether or not you've got diabetes or how, how your liver and heart is working, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that forms the basis for how we begin to understand human health and disease. Now, the great uh, sort of sea of information there is, is while we're only measuring 10 to 20 things as part of our annual visit, there's 10,000 to 20,000 things floating around in your blood each of which may provide an incredible amount of information around your health status, how your organs work. If you have a disease, whether or not that disease is going to go quickly or it's going to progress slowly, and even what drugs you may best respond to. 
And, and that's really the basis of, of biomarker discovery, being able to interrogate that information in, in a human biosample like blood and to use that to be able to align an individual with their specific disease process and ultimately a therapeutic that's guided towards that specific disease. Uh, and, and so that's really the concept of sapient. Now, the challenge in all this has always been, well, how do we measure those 10 to 20,000 things in, in human blood? That's not an easy problem to solve. And, and this is where mass spectrometry has been transformative. Uh, these are technologies that allow us to take a very complex specimen that's made up of tens of thousands of different components like human blood and subset that out in a way that we can measure those individual components and can say you've got high levels of one molecule and low levels of another molecule. The issue has always been how we do this quickly enough to make discoveries that can actually be used clinically in patient care. And, and this is really where Sapient was born of. And so what we have done over the last decade or so is take these instruments and make them go much, much, much faster, over 100 times faster than they typically can go. And what that enables us to do, Nicole, is to take very large sample sets of individuals from clinical trials, from clinical studies, from different collections around the world, and to analyze those blood samples. And in doing so, we can measure these tens of thousands of different what we call markers. These are different molecules that are floating around in our blood. And now what we can do is we can use statistics and math to say of these 10 or 20,000 things that we're measuring, what tells us uh, the key piece of information around any question? Which one of these markers tells us about my heart? Which one tells us about my brain and whether or not I'm at risk for Alzheimer's? Which one of these molecules tells me about my liver and whether or not I may develop non-alcoholic steatohepatitis? Or which one of these tells me about whether or not I'm at risk for cancer, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, we can use these markers to be able to understand if I do have a disease that's complex like diabetes or heart disease or, or Alzheimer's disease, what are the specific problems in my organ that's causing that disease process? And can I now identify what drug would best alleviate my specific disease process? And so that's really the basis of this. And so there's multiple components to what Sapient does. The first is using these technologies to measure the thousands of things that are in human blood. The second component is using math and statistics to say from these tens to 20,000 things measured, which is the one critical factor that enables us to, uh, to best understand this patient or, or to best determine what drug would be most efficacious for this individual. And, and then we have ways in which we can go about developing the clinical assay for that individual. And, and so that's really the basis, again, of, of what Sapient does and, and how we operate. Brilliant. Thank you for that explanation. So if we think about biomarker discovery about interrogating the information per se. Can you talk at all about the types of biomarkers that Sapient is, itself is specializing in at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. So if you look traditionally at, at biomarkers over the last decade, and this goes back to my early training period that I mentioned for your first question, uh, this is really focused upon genetic biomarkers understanding our genetic code, our DNA uh, that we inherit from our parents, and understanding how we, uh, our risk of disease may increase or decrease based upon that genetic code. Now, the challenge with this, uh, Nicole, is that if you look across all common diseases, whether it be heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's disease, lung disease, liver disease, GI illness, autoimmune disease, irrespective of the underlying disease state, only a very small fraction of disease risk comes from your genome. We can only blame our parents for so much. 
Uh, and really, the majority of, of risk of developing a disease comes from the way in which we live our life. Everything we eat, drink, smell, smoke, the world in which we live. It's the area code, not the genetic code is, is sort of the typical terminology around this. Now, none of that information is captured in genetic uh, sequence. And so we've been very interested in what we call dynamic blood-borne biomarkers. These are the markers in blood that change as you become, uh, as you go from a healthy to a disease state, that change after you receive a particular uh, therapy or change after you develop a certain disease. And these dynamic markers provide a tremendous amount of information regarding your health state today. They also have a way of capturing this information around the world in which we live, how our various organs are functioning, what we've eaten, how our microbiome and other influences may be impacting our health state. Uh, and, and so these are the types of markers that we've specialized in. Now, these fall into three broad chemical categories. These include what we call metabolites, uh, which are small molecules, uh, lipids, uh, which again are small molecules, and proteins, which are larger molecules, uh, but still can be quite dynamic. Uh, these markers come from our endogenous cells, for us, so from every cell in our body releases these into our blood as well as they come again from the world around us, everything we eat, drink, smell, smoke, and all the microbes that inhabited our gut and our skin. And so by measuring these dynamic biomarkers from a blood sample, uh, we have the ability now to integrate this information from a number of different sources. Again, both uh, as a reflection of our normal cellular physiology, how our cells are working, how our tissues are working, how our diseased tissues may be functioning, and how they may be responding to various drugs. And so uh, our mass spectrometry systems are particularly geared toward the measurement of these dynamic markers, once again, uh, metabolites, lipids, and proteins. And, and this really forms the basis for the types of markers that, that Sapien focuses on. Gosh, so it really is, as you say, the area code versus the genetic code, um, or nature versus nurture, I suppose. That's right. So I'm, I'm also aware that Sapient, in doing all this, uh, supports a number of biopharma and academic organizations. So I was wondering if you could give any examples about that at all. Yeah, absolutely, Nicole. So as you mentioned, uh, Sapient really operates as a service organization, uh, meaning our, our fundamental goal is to democratize access to these technologies and these types of data. Uh, we view our role as a support one in, in which there's thousands to tens of thousands of brilliant scientists around the world who are working to understand human disease, who are working to develop new drugs, and who are working to to deploy these drugs through physician networks. And where we view our role in this process is being able to support uh, each of these individuals across that pathway. And so as you mentioned, uh, we support this through a variety of different means. We work with a number of, of large pharma companies, or early biotech companies, uh, academic uh, organizations, including major medical centers around the world, uh, nonprofit foundations, whose goal it is to cure disease for, for various types of illnesses, uh, as well as other government organizations. And so, again, we, we view ourselves as a service uh, and, and one that can provide those services across the spectrum of different individuals who are engaged in, in understanding human health. Wonderful. So let's think now of the perhaps, I don't want to say broader picture, because that's a, a veritably broad remit that Sapient works on. But 
if we think of the future, which indeed is a broad picture, and we're thinking about precision medicine and therapies within that future, in a nutshell, with the veneer of hope, one hopes, what's the outlook? Yeah, I I think this is a fascinating topic and and one that's rapidly evolving. And and I'll give a slightly longer answer to this question because I think it's a brilliant question, uh, Nicole, as as to how even our understanding of precision medicine has evolved. And really, the the basis for precision medicine initially was this idea that you and I are fundamentally different people. Uh, We should both be treated equally, but we're not identical. And by understanding how you and I are different, that's what enables us to understand how our disease risk is different and ultimately how we may respond to different therapies. And, and while that may be true, it turns out that you and I are much more alike than we are different. Uh, even though we, we originate from different places in the world, we live in different places in the world, our, our, again, our genetic code uh, actually tells us very little about our risk over long times of developing disease uh, and, and whether or not we're going to respond to various therapeutics. Now, where we find that there's actually great differences is when we think about disease states. And and the way we classify a complex disease, whether it be diabetes or heart disease or Alzheimer's disease, is as a bucket based upon the end pathology. What's happening in the tissue at the end when we've developed this disease? In heart disease, it means I've got a hardening of my arteries. And in Alzheimer's disease, it means I've got a loss of brain matter and I've got an an incorporation of, of tangles in the brain. It doesn't tell us how we went from the normal stage to that disease state. And what we're finding out is that for even uh, common diseases, again, diabetes, heart disease, cancer, neurodegeneration, et cetera, et cetera, these really represent a multitude of different diseases that all result in the same end pathology. And so what we call diabetes really represents five to six to seven different diseases, all of which result in abnormal metabolic handling that ultimately results in loss of our beta cells in the pancreas and insulin resistance. Similarly, with Alzheimer's disease, this probably represents three to five different subtypes, all of which result in the same end pathology of memory loss. And you can take this ad nauseum for other diseases. Now, the challenge is drugs don't work on end pathology. The way drugs and medicines work are are by affecting that process by which you go from a normal to an abnormal state. And really, personalized medicine now is rapidly evolving to a better understanding of our disease states. It's around personalization of the disease. When I say I have diabetes, what subtype of diabetes do I have? When I say I have Alzheimer's disease or heart disease or cancer, what subtype do I have? And by better understanding that subtype, that's what allows me to better understand what drug I'm actually going to respond to. And so when we think about personalization of medicine nowadays and biomarkers in general, it's really around this idea of being able to take an individual, a human being, and align their specific disease with that person, and then the best therapeutic for that specific disease state. And so this is really an evolution once again, and you can see why genetics uh, perhaps plays less of an impact than we initially had focused upon, just given the fact that it's less about the person and it's more about understanding the disease in that person and being best to treat that disease. And and so when I think about personalization of medicine, this is where I I imagine there's going to be tremendous, tremendous impact over the next decade. Uh, We know as a society that drug development is too slow and too expensive. Uh, We've learned from the COVID experience that being able to deploy drugs, whether they be vaccines or therapeutics very quickly, is absolutely essential for 
uh, for the human race to continue and its our current function. We know that it costs way too much and it's too inefficient to process to develop drugs. And, and we need to change the fundamental ways in which we do this if we're to continue developing drugs at a fast rate, whether they be vaccines, antibiotics, or, or medications for heart disease, cancer, neurodegeneration, et cetera. And, and this is where personalization of medicine, I think, is going to have tremendous impact. By better understanding human disease processes, uh, we're going to be able to better target our therapeutics uh, and, and in doing so, be able to develop drugs much faster, have much higher approval rates, and ultimately much more efficacious deployment of these drugs in, in patient populations. And, and this is really the basis for personalization and one that I'm hoping is, is coming very, very quickly. Again, we've learned a lot from genomics and, and sequencing specifically in cancer and understanding how we can target specific cancer subtypes using biomarkers. And, and I expect that same revolution now to uh, transform other areas outside of cancer. Thank you, Matt. It's been a fascinating conversation and a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much, Nicole. Looking forward to another conversation. Take care. So that concludes another episode of the Pharma Forum podcast. You can find out more information about this episode, including a download link and information about previous installments of the series at pharmaforum.com forward slash podcasts. The Pharma Forum podcast is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Acast, Stitcher, and Podbean where you can find and subscribe by searching for Pharma Forum. Of course, don't forget to visit our website itself, where you can sign up for daily news and analysis bulletins, and follow us on Twitter, or X nowadays, at at Pharma Forum. That's all for now. Thank you for listening.